Welcome to Whiskey and Lemon. I am Lana Mercedes and we are wrapping up Mental Health Month. And so in honor of that, I am going to be resharing an episode where I discuss finding a therapist. But before we jump into that episode, I wanted to share something new with you. And that is a technique that I use for anxiety. Um, I think that it's really important that we have something that we can take with us when we, you know, don't always have the tools or access to certain things that we might have at home, but it's something that we can do anywhere that we are. So you can use this for anxiety. You can use this if you're having a panic attack. Um, anything just makes you kind of feel like you're not in control of your, um, like yourself or your emotions at the time. And um, this technique is called five, four, three, two, one. You can find it online, but this is something that I really feel is beneficial for me. And so we will start off with the <clears throat> first one. Actually, we're going to work our way back because it's five, four, three, two, one. So number five is your sight. So you are wherever you are, whether you're at home or you're in, you know, your office, you're in your car, just wherever you are, try to be still for a second. Imagine you're even sitting in a park um, and there's a lot of people around you, but you can really just hone in on taking that time for yourself and observing the things around you. So five is sight. So you will look for five things around you, just five things that you can actually see and if you're able to say those things out loud. So for me, for example, I see a box. I see my phone. I see my portable charger. I see my microphone and I see a cup of water. Then number four is touch. So you're going to focus on your body and think of or um, observe four things around you. And that can even be things on your person if you're sitting somewhere where there aren't a lot of things or at least even four things that you can touch. So for me, I am going to say I can touch my thighs. I can touch my desk. I can touch my hair and I can touch my pen. Those are four things that I can touch. And again, if you're able to, make sure that you can say those things out loud. Number three is listen. So just take a minute, stay silent, and try to pick up on three things you can hear around you. And depending on where you are, that might not always be so easy, but you can even pick up the most minute sounds that you can hear, the smallest sounds you can hear. So whether that's the humming of, you know, your refrigerator or you can hear your air conditioning, even if you hear this tapping from outside, crickets, whatever it is. So for me, I'm listening to a bit of air that I can hear in my microphone because I am in a room that's a little empty right now. So it's picking up a little bit of that echo. I can hear a plane going overhead. And I can hear a car going by. So even if it takes a minute, you only hear one thing right now, just stay and pause and try to think of three things that you hear. Even if one of them is your breath, just three things. And again, if you're able to, name those things out loud. Two is smell. So take a deep breath through your nose and then name two things that you can smell. And maybe you have to do that a few times. Complete exhale 
And then a slow, slow inhale and breathe in through your nose. So for me, so for me, this is actually pretty difficult because I'm in a room that doesn't really have any smells, but I'm going to really take a minute. Okay, so I can actually smell the lotion that I just put on my hands. And I can actually smell the lemon essential oil that I used to clean the floor. So um, I make a natural cleaner and it has a lemon essential oil and I can actually smell that right now. So if you're able to kind of move around where you are until you can pick up on two smells, just do that um, and bask in that moment. Don't try to rush yourself, but just find two things that you can smell. And again, name those things out loud if you're able to. And lastly is taste. So just one flavor that you can taste. If you're in the middle of doing something, you're brushing your teeth, you're doing mouthwash or drinking coffee, um, if you have mints or gum around you, like maybe you need to pop something in your mouth to get that taste. Um, even if there's just something specific in your mouth that you can just already taste because you just ate, uh, really take that in. So, and again, don't rush yourself if you need to grab something out of your bag, uh, something out of your pocket, go into your fridge. Just take a moment and really ignite that sense of something that you can taste. And again, if you're able to, just name those flavors out loud, whether that's one single flavor or a few different flavors, just name it out loud if you can. This is something that we may need to practice a few times to really get us to just calm down and focus on the things that are around us. But I really hope that this helps you. It does help me. Sometimes it might take a little bit longer to, you know, pick up on all those senses that are around us, but it really does help. And again, don't rush, just move slow breathe and just keep your feet if you're able to again just planted firmly on the ground feel where you are and observe the things that are around you but I hope this really helps and I hope that you enjoy the episode that I'm going to reintroduce which is finding a therapist I've said it many times before, I am a major advocate for therapy, and with that, I am a major advocate for also finding the right therapist. They are not one-size-fits-all, and I think it's important to remember that, so if you don't mesh well with your first one, you don't swear off therapy forever. Sometimes you can mesh on the first try, and in my experience, the first one was decent. She took great notes while also listening well at the same time. I stuck with her until she had relocated. Then maybe my second didn't listen as well as the first, but I felt more connected to her. So it really all depends on what you need. Again, not what you want, but what you need. This will take a lot of self-awareness to be able to recognize the difference between the two. You may want someone that validates every behavior of yours, but may realize you need someone that is going to help you question a bit of your behavior and not blame others all the time if that's what you tend to do. In this week's episode, we will cover seven factors to assess when seeking a therapist. Before we jump in, I do want to acknowledge that it's not always an easy process. Once you factor in things like health insurance, location of virtual appointments are not accessible to you, and availability. The most important thing is that you start the process and get communicating with someone so that you may be one step closer to beginning therapy. 
The first factor is insurance and budget. If you do have insurance, the first step I would suggest is heading to your health insurance website and search the directory for therapists available to you. Make sure to also filter out the list by plans and groups if that applies. This way you can focus on what is available to you without putting too much effort into certain therapists that you may not even have access to. If you do not have insurance, it is good to figure out what your budget is and search this way. A great place to begin is to also search organizations that may specialize in the specific need that you have. They may have a more concentrated list of providers without you having to browse through several sources because it can get overwhelming. You may also have options to certain organizations if you qualify for mental health programs. Online services are available, so you can also find local offerings by just going to Google and searching the words affordable mental health care and the city and state you live in. Check the reviews and try to focus on the local ones because place of residence often contributes to qualifying, especially for smaller programs and organizations. Once you get through this step, it is also a good time to ask those that you trust for their referrals. This could include family, friends, educational peers, or professionals that you may interact with at other medical appointments. In my case, I had a therapist that relocated and I asked her if she had any referrals during our final session. Oh, and another thing I want to add is ask for discounts. It's not a guarantee, but sometimes if you explain your situation to a therapist or office and express what you can pay and you are just open enough to ask for a discount, they may work with you. It's definitely worth inquiring about. Number two is location slash telehealth. So this step is to determine how you will meet your therapist. If you're planning on paying out of pocket, then your options might be wider as you can select if you want to meet in person or virtually. If you are using a program, chances are they will provide you with the options that are available to you. If you have insurance, you will need to find out if you are required to meet in person or can have virtual appointments. From there, you will choose the options that you have, and if that's both, then decide which you prefer. Since the start of the pandemic, most offices and therapists will specify on their website if they offer virtual appointments. As someone who has done both in-person and virtual therapy sessions, definitely explore why virtual is your preference if that is the case. As much as I think this is a great option for certain people, even depending on where they are at in life, an in-person appointment could be helpful. Life circumstances can definitely affect if we are able to go meet with our therapist in an office, but sometimes being out of the home, away from distractions, and fully focused on your therapy session is also needed. So I highly recommend being flexible to both if you have the ability to. If your therapist is local, you may be able to do some sessions in person and some from home. Number three is availability. This will depend on how many options you have after you go through the first couple of steps. If you're looking at a small list of therapists at this point, it's worth checking out who is taking new patients. If they are, does their availability work with your needs? You might find a therapist taking new patients, but their next available appointment might be three months away. If so, are you looking to start working with someone within the next week or two? Then that obviously wouldn't align with your goals. You can, however, reach out to the office or therapist and express your interest. It is possible that they can accommodate you. If you have a large list of therapists still at your fingertips after going through the first couple of steps, you may want to skip this step and come back to it after weeding out some of the therapists based on the next few steps so that you can save time contacting those that may not even align with other goals. Number four is licensing and specialty. 
So first, be wary of therapists that specialize in everything. You know the saying, jack of all trades, master of none? This is definitely not what we want in our therapist. Going to therapy requires vulnerability, effort, time, and resources. We will want to utilize that with someone that has a concentrated focus on what we need and not one that just dabbles in a little bit of everything. Licensing is also important because although they may have experience in a certain area, are they licensed particularly for that? This is relevant because although someone may have worked with a patient in need of that specialty, it is good to know they are licensed to handle that need in a way that is approved. There are people in every field that shouldn't particularly be in that field for lack of professionalism. So to make your chance of coming across someone that won't be beneficial to your process, let's rule out those that may not qualify to assist you in the way that you need. Feel free to ask your potential therapist for details on their specialties and licensing. We will get deeper into this in step six, but this will include things like ensuring that they are equipped to help you work through specific traumas, concerns, or medical conditions. Number five is background. It is important for some seeking therapy to have a commonality in certain areas. If that applies to you, that will also help you narrow down a possibly wide list of therapists. This will significantly impact the list, so make sure you take some time to write down why one of these characteristics may be important to you and if it is essential. If it's not, maybe you can keep that note but not vet therapists out based on them right away. So some examples of things people look for are therapists having a commonality in age, race or culture, gender, religion, family dynamic, and or wealth. Number six is interview. This is my favorite part and really the most crucial one once we get through all the options and availability part. This is the time where we get to not only connect with our potential therapist, but we get to learn more about therapy in general. So plan, strategy, and goals. This is really all about asking therapists about their approach to therapy. You can even get more specific based on the type of therapy you're seeking. For example, CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, psychoanalytic therapy, holistic therapy, the list goes on. We will cover some great questions to ask therapists at the end of this episode. Then we have the days where it's all good. This essentially ties into the previous point. So it's a great idea to directly ask a therapist something like, what will we do during our sessions when I am having a great day? I, along with others, have found ourselves with a therapist that feels stuck when we show up to therapy feeling good. They might not expect you to feel so great and give you sympathetic eyes. This is not what we want. Even if they sense something is wrong, no one wants to be stared at as if you're going to crumble any second. It is important that you do not feel like you have to have something wrong to bring to the table when you meet with a therapist. These are often the perfect opportunities to discuss what will we do during our sessions when I am having a great day. Days and times allotted to meet needs. It's important to dive deeper into the therapist's availability even as a patient. Are they so spread out where you would only see them once a month? Does that work for your goals? Or are you able to schedule with them once or twice a week if you need to? Think about what you actually need or what is doable now and find out if there is room to be flexible later on when need be. Also, before we get to number seven, I want to go through some key questions to ask potential therapists. By this point, you've already vetted therapists by verifying that they either take your insurance or you can afford their services and that the way in which they conduct their sessions aligns with your preferences and your goals. You have looked into their availability and confirmed that they are licensed. 
You've acquired details on their specialties and length of time that they've been practicing. Here are some questions you should ask. Start off by simply asking, what can I expect in our therapy sessions? Also, if you know exactly what your initial goals are, going into therapy, ask what treatments the therapist has successfully implemented for these concerns. Number three, if you are open to medication, ask them if they are able to prescribe it or if someone else will need to. If you're not open to medication, express that upfront and ask what alternatives are available if necessary. Number four, ask how long therapy will last. Is it a 12-week program? Is it that it ends as soon as they see results? Is it as long as you both see fit? Or is there an indefinite amount of time? This is a very important question to ask to ensure both your goals and expectations are addressed. Number five, ask if they can predict how long it may take to work through your concerns. They may not always answer this depending on the complexity of your situation, but it's nice to ask and just see how they answer. Number six, ask what options are available if the initial treatment isn't working. And number seven, ask how you both will track your progress. I am also including a great resource in the episode notes if you are seeking therapy for a child. Number seven, the vibe, how you mesh, your interaction, your gut. It's okay to change therapists. Research shows that three sessions with a therapist gives us good enough time to determine if they are a good match for us. I like to think of it like dating. Sometimes there's a spark right away and sometimes there isn't. Some people could also simply just be having an off day. So giving it three solid tries will help you make a more informed decision. Psych Essential advises to watch out for one therapist telling you that they can, quote, cure you. Therapy is usually about managing versus, quote, fixing, so making these bold overstatements isn't a plus. And number two, they also say to be wary of therapists that seem like they want to be your friend or suggest meeting in informal places. There are boundaries that should remain for the success of therapy in general. Other things to assess when it comes to your interaction with potential therapists is just the feeling you get with them. Do you feel optimistic, neutral, or nervous? Optimistic is positive and may be your hopefulness. Neutral could be you're managing your emotions and expectations. However, if you're feeling nervous, this could be your gut kicking in and indicating some red flags. Now, it's possible it's not the therapist and that it's the issue, but if you're feeling tense just interacting with them, this may not be a good match for you. For example, do you need someone more kind and nurturing or someone more direct and blunt? And be honest with yourself, because if you may need someone that is more gentle, even if at first, so that you can warm up to that, to one another, it is more important that you are real with yourself about what you need and don't just say you need someone blunt just because you think you're tough. The only thing this will do is keep your guard up and hinder your process. And again, therapy involves our resources, our energy, our time, and our money, and you want to make every session count. So ensure that you feel comfortable with your therapist. Don't expect to want to divulge your whole life story on day one, follow their lead, but you should feel interested in committing to the process. Once you get in the sessions, make sure that you feel comfortable. Some days may be less comfortable than others as you work through personal concerns, but you'll want to make sure that the lack of comfort isn't coming from an uneasiness with the therapist. 
Here are four questions that Healthline advises asking yourself. Does the therapist interrupt me or do they listen carefully to what I'm saying? Two, does the therapist respect my time by being prompt to appointments? Three, does the therapist brush off or invalidate my concerns? And four, do I feel seen, heard, and respected during my session? Lastly, I'm going to read a passage by Vogue. Know that it's okay to change therapists. In fact, it's very normal to do so, says psychologist Ishida Gupta. You can outgrow your therapist even if they had initially blown your mind and helped your first few hurdles. You need the right therapist at the right time, says mental health advocate Anushka Mehta, who's been through her fair share of counselors and psychiatrists, all who have been both beneficial and redundant at some point. It's actually a common practice, says Gupta. You can choose to pause therapy and then decide you want someone new. I hope the seven steps that I provided in choosing a therapist were helpful. Choosing the right therapist is important, so don't skip these steps. This can play a major role in how effective therapy is for you. Most importantly, take this process day by day and see this as all a part of a beautiful journey that you're taking to manage your health. Thank you for joining me for this episode. I have four quotes for you this week. Mary Friesen, I'm a firm believer now that even the baby steps we take, if done in multitudes, will eventually cover a lot of ground. Marianne Radmacher, courage does not always roar. Sometimes it is the quiet voice at the end of the day that says, I will try again tomorrow. Dr. Lauren Fogel-Mercy, deep breathing is our nervous system's love language. Leonard Cohen, there is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. If you are enjoying what you're hearing, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Find me at Haylana Mercedes on Instagram to submit your questions and topic suggestions. Thanks for listening. <laughs>